0: Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here, we dream revival and serve people with love. Today, Pastor Pridhi will be wrapping up with the series on healing that we have been learning from Sunday after Sunday. Prepare your heart to receive on how we, as the body of Christ and individually, need to heal and forgive.
1: Are you ready to go into the Word this morning? We are finishing the study of uh, the this topic on healing. This season has been beautiful. I enjoyed teaching as much as I enjoyed receiving it from the Lord. Usually, I do a lot of uh, preparation and study and a lot of hard work to prepare sermons. But this series uh, was one of the, the most effortless series for me. You know, because I just uh, I just enjoyed learning together. Uh, with you on all the healings that we've studied in Scripture. And today we'll do one more of those stories and we'll take some time to pray together, okay? Let's go uh, to Psalms chapter 38 and verse 9 onwards. You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every sigh. Verse 10, my heart, it beats wildly and my strength, it fails, and I'm going blind. Verse 11, he says, Now, because of which my loved ones and my friends, what do they do? They stay away, because they fear my disease. Even my own family, they stand at a distance. So the psalmist, he's talking about this very... Uh, you know, painful time of his life where he is going through this challenge because of which he's, he's, he's saying, Lord, you know what I long for. You know what I truly need. You know what I'm asking for today. You know my, you hear my every sigh. Every time I cry, every time I breathe out loud, you hear every single one of them. And you know how my heart, it beats wildly. My heart is going crazy because of which my strength, it is failing. My strength, it is disappearing. My strength, it is going down day by day by day. And then the Bible says, you know, not only is my strength failing, I'm also consequently going blind because my strength is failing. And because I'm going through what I'm going through, Because I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing, I have reached a place where now I I feel that even my loved ones, even the people that are close or dear to me, even they are maintaining a distance from me. They are staying away from me because of my disease. They are staying away from me because of my infirmity. They don't want to do anything with me anymore because I'm going through what I'm going through. what is worse than having a disease? What is worse than having a physical infirmity? What is worse than having an emotional, relational, physical trial in your life? It is that the people that you are counting on, the people that you're waiting on, the people that you're hoping they will stand by your side, they choose to distance away from you in that season. They choose to just leave you, leave you out there in the middle of the trial all by yourself, and they walk away. That is worse. And when, when, when that happens, you know, that's, that's what happened to Job, right? You know, Job was going through this trial after trial after trial. And at one point, his wife turned against him. And she said, hey, it is not worth going through all that you're going through. I think it's time for us to give up. I think it's time for you to give up. In fact, she was suggesting that he commits suicide. She's suggesting who is this? This is the person that he is hoping the one person that the devil didn't take. The one person that the devil allowed to continue in the house and the one person that he is hoping will comfort me, will stand with me. She turns around and she says, no, I don't think it's worth it. I think uh, you should just just curse God and you should just die. And that's what the psalmist is experiencing. He says, my loved ones and my friends, they fear that this disease that I carry, this infirmity that I carry, this mental block that I'm experiencing, this is contagious. They fear that if they hang out with me, then they will begin to think like this, they will begin to behave like this, and they want to maintain a safe distance away from me. Verse 12, Meanwhile, my enemies, they lay traps to kill me. Those who wish me harm... They make plans to ruin me. All day long, they plan their treachery. All through the day, they are planning how to destroy me, how to take me down. See, this is the story of every child of God. Because you have enemies that the world doesn't have. You have enemies that are fighting you. You have enemies that are trying to hurt you. You have enemies that are trying to make sure you, you're, you're killed, you're destroyed, you don't have a life. Now, see, this is the thing. The enemy hurts the people of the world also, but he has more intention, more purpose to hurt you because... You carry something of God. You carry the light. You carry something that represents God, something that represents the kingdom of God. And the enemy knows if he can hurt you, if he can hurt your heart, if he can hurt your life, if he can hurt your destiny, then consequently he's also hurting the kingdom of God. He's also hurting the church. He's also hurting the purposes of God that will be accomplished through your life. And that is why... Children of God, you should understand that we we have an enemy that is fighting us from the outside. Now, see, we we have dealt with a lot of those things in the past few weeks of how to deal with a spiritual attack, you know, diseases that are caused because of an external spiritual attack. We have dealt with how to deal with... Uh, an infirmity that comes because we don't have enough faith. We have dealt with infirmities and diseases that happen uh, because we have not obeyed, because, because there is no thankfulness, because we have walked away uh, you know, during the process, because we were not persistent in our prayer. All those things we have dealt with. But the main issue that I want to deal with today is that there are some infirmities that come because of our family members because of our people, because of our loved ones, people that we depend on, people that we consider our friends, people that we consider our mentors, our leaders, people that are supposed to guide us. Do you know that they can be a reason for you to be in sickness? Do you know that they can be a reason? Don't worry, I know it's very confusing, but I'll, I'll get to it in a bit. Do you know that they can be a reason for you to remain incapacitated that you for you to remain in a place where you're not working out your full potential a word that they have spoken over your life or uh, a, a negative desire that they have over your life especially the people that are close to you when they plot evil against you and when they distance away from you and when they speak when they begin to behave like your enemies and when they begin to wish you harm See, it says in this verse, it's the enemies who are trapping to kill me, and it's the enemies who wish me harm and make plans to ruin me, and all day long they plan their treachery. But do you know how hard would it be if you know that, wait a minute, it's your own church or your own family that is desiring to see your harm? How much of impact can that have on my life? Verse 13, He says, but this is what I'm going to do, but I am deaf to all their threats. This is what he's saying. He's saying that this is how they are planning and working and doing everything. They are using words to influence me. They are praying over me and they are declaring things that are now going to consequently affect me in a negative way. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be deaf to all of their threats, all the things that they are speaking into my head, into my ears. And sometimes even without me listening, all the things that they are speaking into my spirit, I am deaf to all their threats and I'm silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing and I make no reply why for I am waiting for you O Lord you must answer for me O Lord my God I prayed don't let my enemies gloat over me or rejoice at my downfall He's saying this is why I'm keeping quiet because I'm I'm waiting I'm hoping that you would answer for me that you would say something that is going to quiet my enemies and even People that are supposed to be my friends, people that are supposed to be my family, who are supposed to help me, who are supposed to be the reason for my healing, how they are now turning out to be my enemies. And I'm, I'm not going to speak up. I'm not going to fight this case. I'm just going to stay quiet in this season and I'm going to let God answer for me. I'm going to let God come through on my behalf and fight my case. Let me take you to the New Testament. There is this uh, particular healing story. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 22 and verse 47 onwards. It says, but even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached and who led this crowd? This crowd was led by Judas, who was one of the 12 disciples. And Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. Okay, Who do you see? It's a crowd and who is leading this crowd? Jesus. Judas, one of Jesus' main disciples, one of key disciples. Okay, So what I want you to picture is a crowd that is led by an apostle, a disciple of Jesus, a crowd that is led by a man of God, a crowd that is led by somebody who is used by Jesus, a crowd that is led by somebody who now represents Jesus a crowd that is led by somebody who has healed the sick in the past, who has cleansed the lepers in the past, who has, who has cast out demons in the past. This is the crowd that we are talking about, yeah? The Bible says that this crowd, they came, they walked over to Jesus, and Jesus said, Judas, would you in fact betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples, now there is a different gang here, okay? There is a gang that is on the other side. It says, when the other disciples, they saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We've got swords. We are ready to pick up this battle. We, we, we came prepared for this. You, you gave us an instruction. We'll go to that in a bit. And, and they, they are ready on the other side to fight. Okay? The next verse, it says, And one of them, they they didn't even wait for Jesus' response. The Bible says, and one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear, meaning his ear is gone, cut off his ear. Now, Matthew, Mark and Luke, they were very merciful to this guy and they didn't mention his name. But John had some issue with Peter and he would always mention whenever Peter messed up. And he would, he would talk about all of Peter's failures. I, I have no idea what was going on between the both of them, but, but John never left an opportunity to take a case at Peter. And John mentions, and if you read the Gospel of John, you'll understand this is talking about Peter. In fact, the name of the guy who hit and the name of the servant whose ear got cut is also mentioned in John chapter 18. And, and so on the other side is another crowd Who is it led by? Peter. Not Jesus. Jesus is in the center. Both of them are fighting for Jesus. They also want Jesus. These guys also want Jesus. But here is a crowd who is led by another apostle. Jesus just called him the rock on which he's going to build the church. Jesus looked at him and said, hey, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven revealed this to you. Okay, so now we have two crowds that are opposing each other, two different viewpoints that are coming to clash against each other. One is led by one disciple of Jesus. Another is led by another disciple of Jesus. Who is wrong? Both are wrong. Do you understand what is happening here? I want you to get the full picture. Okay, here is one guy saying, this is how we do things here. Don't worry about this. Jesus will free himself. You know, this is just another way of making a little more money because he knows how Jesus escaped the past few times. And he's hoping that this time also Jesus will escape. And that's why when he saw that Jesus didn't escape, that guilt, he couldn't take that anymore, and he went and hurt himself. Whereas on the other side, they thought, no, no, this is our battle and we fight it with swords. We take this guy down. We don't allow this to go any, any, any further behind, beyond this. And in all of this is one servant who is caught in the crossfire. He doesn't have any clue of what is right or what is wrong. He has no allegiance to Judas. He has no allegiance to Peter. He, he is serving the high priest of that land, okay? If somebody has to leave everything and go and serve the high priest, you know that this guy loves God. He doesn't know all the answers. He doesn't know all the revelations. He's just obeying what is told to him. And now he's following. He's in a crowd because he's in a company of people who've got it wrong Now he is at the verge, he is at the receiving end of destruction where his ear gets cut off and it is not his fault. It's just that he was in the wrong company. It's just that even the other guys who are are hurting him, they were also wrong. Even in the, the company that he was in, that was also wrong. You should understand this. Your company, it matters a lot. You may not have done a lot of wrong things, but who you hang out with, matters if you will walk in healing and wholeness or you will continue to remain in diseases and in poverty for the rest of your life. Who you hang out with, who you fellowship with, who are the people that you give your ears to, who are the people that you submit to, who are the people that you allow to lead you, to direct you, that has a lot of say whether you will remain healed or whether you will remain sick for the rest of your life. And here is a guy and he is hurt not by the people of the world not by the enemy not by demonic principalities he's hurt by the church Is it okay if I say that Whether it be Judas or whether it be Peter they're all part of Jesus team Come on now Who hurt him Not not generational curses What hurt him Not the people of the world What hurt him it was a church, it was the people in, who were part of the body of Christ that hurt him. See, I'll tell you this, just like we carry the power to minister healing to people, when we refrain that healing, we are actually releasing judgment over these people. When we don't speak the truth, when we don't preach what Jesus has asked us to preach, what Jesus given us to preach. You know what we're doing? We're actually hurting them the way that Judas and Peter ended up hurting this young man. He had no idea this is what's happening. The Bible says that Jesus, as soon as Jesus saw this, Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and immediately he healed him. Jesus moved with compassion. Jesus was like, no, I don't want to take this guy's side nor do I want to take this guy's side. You know, we are always hoping that, you know, my theology is correct. What I preach is right. And you know what, what, what I believe. But in the, if, if the result of what you're preaching and teaching and believing is hurting people, is hurting the body of Christ, it's just discouraging people, it is causing them to be in self-doubt, it is causing them to live in fear, it is causing them to, you know, be away from the things of God, then you need to question is, is your doctrine, is the reality, the truthfulness of your doctrine really effective? Let me, let me teach you this. If you read the previous verses, you will see that Jesus was the one who told them you need to get swords. Can I read it for you? Let me, let me, let me read it for you. Okay, this is Luke chapter 22, verse 36. Luke chapter 22 and verse 36. And verse 38, okay, the Bible says, but now, Jesus says, but now, take your money and a traveler's bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one, okay? Verse 38, so they said, they, they replied saying, look Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us, and Jesus said, that should be fine, that's enough. See, Jesus gave them an instruction. What was the instruction Jesus gave them? If you don't have a sword, you need to sell your clothes and buy a sword. Because now, we, now the seasons are shifting. Now things are going to change. How we ministered in the last season is not how we're going to minister in the next season. Our strategies need to evolve. Our strategies need to change. And yet... Jesus didn't want them to use the sword in this particular situation, in this particular case. This was not the place where they would use the sword. And the Bible says that they thought, because Jesus said you need a sword, they thought, they assumed, or they just thought, this is where I would naturally use. And guess what? Peter would have been 100% convinced that what he's doing is right. Who told me to get the sword? Jesus said, today we have a fight, today we have a battle, so carry your sword. If you don't have a sword, make sure to sell something and buy a sword. You know how serious that is? If Jesus is saying, you know, sell your clothes to buy a sword, it means, man, it's urgent. It's not something that you eventually save up and buy in the next six to eight or nine months. No, 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 you need it urgently, you need it today. And then I use my sword. (laughs) And then Jesus says, no, that was not the right use of that sword. You missed it, Peter. And sometimes the things that God has spoken to you, hear me very clearly, okay? What God has spoken to you can be the means to now you ending up hurting other people. If you are using it out of the boundaries of where God has asked you to use it. I'm not doubting whether God spoke to you or not. I'm not doubting whether you are a prophet or not. I'm not doubting whether you can hear from God or not. What I'm doubting is how much are you in submission, even at this point when you're using this gift, this sword that Jesus gave you, that Jesus asked you to gather, bring. How much are you in submission even at this point as to how you're going to use that sword? Because if you're not in alignment What we think is, okay, as long as I heard the call, you know, as long as I know that God has given me a sword, I'll just go cutting everybody on my way. You know, God gave me a sword. Jesus told me, you know, to buy a sword. So this is my calling, brother. You know, don't, uh, don't argue with me. Trust me, even when you use your sword, you need to know when to use your sword and when not to use your sword. The same Peter, he killed an Ananias and Sapphira, that was okay. There he was allowed to use the sword. That was not wrong. But there were other seasons when using a sword was wrong. And here is one such occasion where Peter, see, Jesus had prepared them for this, okay? Jesus had told them, this is gonna happen, I'm gonna be arrested, don't resist it. Jesus had trained them very well. And still at this point, when Jesus is getting arrested, all of these guys, especially Peter, he began resisting it and he began doing things that was not assigned to him. He mixed up scriptures. He mixed up instructions from here and there and he began doing things in his own accord because of which now he's ending up destroying people's lives, hurting people's lives and and breaking hearts and breaking lives. And I know that sometimes... When we misinterpret what God is speaking, when we misinterpret his heart, we can end up hurting his church. We can end up hurting his body and then there are people that are caught in the crossfire. You know, people that are caught, you know, when I'm, when I'm judging this person, when I'm judging this Judas, my angst, my, ang- my anger is actually against Judas. I'm actually upset with this Judas for betraying Jesus. But in the process of removing my anger against Judas, I end up hurting somebody else. Do you understand this? This is how serious it is. When you you have a problem with somebody else in church, you don't have to go take it out on them. You take it back to Jesus. You have the presence of Jesus. Jesus is here to solve our issues, solve our problems. But instead of taking it to Jesus, if you're gonna take things into your own hands, Judas, how dare you do this? How dare you hurt my pastor like that? Or how dare you hurt our church like that? And you begin to take out swords, I'm telling you what will happen is there are people among us who have not seen any of this, who have not experienced any of this, who may not even know the bad effects of all of this, and they will end up losing their ears. And today the Lord wants to heal. You know, I was praying, I was, and I was asking God, God, what should I preach? And God said, you know, preach about those who need healing because the church has hurt them. We've, you know, if you've noticed what we have done through this series, it's it's not just talking so much about how to receive healing, but about the source of the sickness, the source of where the issue is coming from where the problem is originating. Because if you can deal with the source properly, if you can deal with the root properly, then it's natural. It's, It's easy for you to walk in healing. And here the Lord is saying, my people, my church, they are doing more damage than the healing that they're supposed to be doing. They're hurting people. They're hurting people inside the church. And because of their attitude because of their lifestyle, people outside the church wouldn't ever enter into the church. You, you should understand that, you know, you, even if you're not on the stage, your face comes up on the camera. Your face comes up in the videos, you know, and, and, and people see you worshiping. People see you being so, uh, you know, so uh, engaged in giving to God, in loving God when you're at church. But what do they see from a Monday to Saturday? Do they see you wielding swords or do they see you hugging them and embracing them and welcoming them? In? What do they see? What, what side of you do they see? You should go to the book of Proverbs and just, just uh, search for the word heal. Okay? You will see how many times is healing associated with the words you speak with the attitude that you have, with the, with the response that you give to certain life situation. And, and the writer of Proverbs would say, hey, those who speak kind words, they bring healing. Those who speak kind, how, hard is it, how much does it cost for you to speak kind words? Like, tell me about this. If you go to a hospital and you want to get treated for a particular sickness, how much money would you spend? Come on, you know that, right? How much does it cost for you and I to be kind? What does it cost for you to speak kind words? And the Bible says, kind words, kind words, when you speak kind words, that kind words is a reason for others to be healed. And when we refrain that, those kind words, when we, instead of using kind words, you use harsh words, you use negative words, you use words that are gonna discourage people. You, instead of healing them, you know what you're releasing over their life? You're releasing destruction on their life. And you may think, Pastor, you know, nothing will happen. I just said it in a moment of anger. Yes, Peter did it in a moment of anger. But did it hurt people? Did it hurt somebody? Jesus had to interfere and heal this guy so that this guy's hearing can be restored, so that he can begin to hear one more time. And, and today, I'm, I'm praying that there will be change on both ends. You know, if you are the servant who is getting hurt, I pray that the presence of Jesus in this place will reach out and touch those areas of your life and heal you and redeem you. All those relationships that you have lost because somebody has hurt you. You see, the enemy can cause you to be in bondage if he can disconnect you from your pastor, if he can disconnect you from your church, if if he can disconnect you from the community that is supposed to Uh, help you, stand by you and support you, right? So today we have to make sure that if there is any, any areas of our heart or our lives which is not healed because of which we are not able to grow in our relationship with the rest of the community then today we need to ask the Lord. Your pastor cannot heal you. The person that hurt you cannot heal you. You think that if Peter comes and says sorry, your ear will come back? No, it will not. Only Jesus can bring back that ear. No matter how much Peter is apologetic and how much he is, you know, hurt that he hurt you, he cannot restore you. His sorry, his apology cannot help you. Only a Jesus whose presence we are worshipping in this place, only that Jesus can in fact help, heal and restore whatever you have lost, whatever has been cut off from you, whatever has been destroyed in your life, that Jesus, he is present in this place. So that's the first category of people. The second category of people that I'm addressing is those that are doing the hurting. Those that are creating groups. Those that are trying to, you know, say, oh, no, Judas is wrong. Judas may be wrong. Is Judas wrong? Absolutely. But that is not your battle to fight. Nobody asked you to go pick up a fight with Judas. Nobody asked you to go expose the Judases in the church. You should understand, Jesus led this guy for three and a half years. Jesus knew this guy is stealing money. Not a single time did Jesus call him out. Just think about it, okay? Not a single time did Jesus expose him in front of... How hard was it for Jesus to expose this guy? I know this guy, he's... uh, I'm losing money every... You know, Jesus had... Jesus could prophetically pick up where Nathaniel was sitting and who was with where and how many times this Samaritan lady was married. All of these details Jesus could prophetically pick up. Are you telling me that Jesus didn't know that Judas was stealing money? He knew very well, he knew it very well, but never did he confront him. But do you know what Jesus did? He taught about money. Every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, every Friday night. He thought about money. He is like, one day he will open up his heart. One day he will repent. One day he will change. Jesus thought about money. In fact, Jesus spoke about money more than he spoke about heaven and hell. Not because money is more important than heaven and hell, but because one of his team members needed that message. And so Jesus thought about it. Jesus preached about it. Peter, listen to me. This is Jesus' assignment, not your assignment to help him. You focus on what is given to you. What is given to you is to build the church, not to tear it down. What is given to you is to, you know, help preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. What is given to you is to identify those people you can disciple and train and lead and, and bring them up. What is given to you is what you need to focus on and not on what is not given to you. So if, if you're in that place where you, you are constantly hurting people because, you know, God told me so. God told me to pick up a sword. God told me to, you know, you need to ask the question, is this really what God wants me to do? I must have heard from the Lord, but the Bible says even when you speak the truth, you speak it in love. I may be telling the truth to Sean. Sean, your hairstyle is wrong or bad or whatever, you know, if I have to, I can say it in love. I don't have to call him names. I don't have to be harsh about it. I don't have to be rude about it. I can say it in love. If you speak the truth in love, yes, there is going to be change. Yes, there is going to be information that is given. But that love that covers all sins, that love that is supposed to envelop you, embrace you, just make that person feel accepted and part of the family, that love will lead that person repentance and not your judgmental statements. Not the swords that you use at them. Not the things that you speak over their life. See the words that you and I speak it's so powerful because the Bible says if you, the words that you speak, you can end up forgiving people or you can end up condemning them for eternity. Jesus said, who you forgive I will forgive. Who you do not forgive I will also not forgive. And Jesus goes on to say, whatever you bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose here on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is giving you so much authority. Now, he expects you to use that authority very wisely, in a right direction, in a way to help people around you, in a way to bless people. Every word that comes out of your mouth, you have to go back and meditate. You know, Ephesians chapter 4, how Paul talks about Let every word that you speak, let it be a word of encouragement. If if you don't have anything encouraging to say, just keep quiet. If you don't have something kind to say, just keep quiet. Nobody will judge you for keeping quiet. But if you are speaking and you're speaking to discourage, you're speaking to pull people down, you're speaking to hurt somebody. Now, if it is a very serious issue and you need a resolution, go find the leader that that person is submitted to and speak to that leader. Don't go hurting them yourself. If you have a panga with Judas, you cut off Judas's ear. Don't cut off the ear of the person that Judas is leading. Do you understand what I'm saying? This guy, if he really had the guts to fight, he should have been fighting Judas, not the power slave or the servant who was not even with Judas. I mean, who was not even, you know, his loyalty was not even to Judas. His loyalty was to some high priest. Do you understand what I'm saying? And here is a Peter who ends up hurting another man's servant. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. A very important aspect. Natasha spoke about it when she was doing communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 27. The Bible says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily, is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus. What is it saying? Anybody that eats the bread and drinks the cup. You know, the the church at Corinth, they had a problem. There was no order. Everybody were just, there was a lot of chaos in the church. Everybody just were very self-possessed, self-obsessed. I'm coming to church because I need this, you know, and, and they would just come and finish the whole communion. That was one of the issues they had. They would just finish the whole communion. So Paul wrote and said, why don't you guys have dinner and then come to church? Why don't you have an early morning breakfast and then come to church? So you, you're not out of order. When you come to church, you do this in a very worthy manner. You know, they had issues of cross-talking, you know, and so Paul had to say, hey, guys, let one person speak at a time. Not everybody tried to talk and you know, create a chaos in church. At one point, he had to say, all the women, please keep quiet because the church at Corinth had more women you know, and, and they would be talking to their husbands in the church. And so, so Paul wrote and said, woman, can you please keep quiet when in church? You know, many people have misinterpreted it to say, women cannot talk at all. You know? That's not what he was saying because if that's what he was saying, he wouldn't, he wouldn't say that when women pray or prophesy, they should do it like... He wouldn't give instructions about it. But this was a church that was out of order, that had no, no submission to their leaders. And they were just all self-obsessed. I want to do it like this, so I will do it like this. I. This is my church. I have a right here. I'll. You know, This is just my way. And I will... Do whatever I want to, I will sing however I want to, I will say whatever I want to, I will sit wherever I want to no he, there was there was no submission to an order, and so Paul is now trying to bring in divine order in the church. See finishing communion is it a big issue? Is it like an issue where you lose salvation that you ate too much communion I mean nobody's going to you know tax you for it, but it's not just about the communion aspect. It's about Paul is trying to bring in divine order in the whole church. And he says, hey, what do you do when you come together? That is very, very sacred. Because anybody who does it, who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he's guilty, not against uh, the brothers, but against the body and the blood of the Lord. When they are out of order, when they are trying to hurt people, when they are trying to be self-obsessed, just trying to get their things done, their things, their way, what they are doing is they are guilty to sin against the body and the blood of Jesus. It says that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. He's telling the church, now, When you come to church, when you take part of communion, see, it's not just about the physical elements of communion that I'm talking about. I'm talking about everything that we do from the beginning to the end. It is us fellowshipping together with God and communing with God, right? When we take part, right now you're taking part of the bread that is being served to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The the word that is being taught to you, this is the bread of life. This is the bread that carries life in it. And the Bible says when you eat and when you drink, if you, if you don't examine yourself, if you have not, you know, been careful of how your life is, if you are... If you're at peace with one another, if you're, if you're doing it in submission to the authority in the church, to the order in the church, if you don't do it, then it will be a problem. That's why you should examine yourself, examine your motives, examine your heart, examine your mind. Before you use that sword, examine yourself, ask yourself this question, do I have the permission to use this sword? Did the Lord ask me to use it here in this particular context? This Is this something that my leaders have allowed me to use? Is this a, an access that I have right now to cut off this guy's ear? Did Jesus permit me to do this? Examine yourself. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So if you eat the bread, or in other words, let me, let me translate it to you in, in, in our day and language, okay? If you come to church and you worship here, Okay, I'm not talking about those that are here for the very first time. Please understand, I'm, I'm talking about those that are fellowshipping here week after week. They know the order of this place. They know the, the culture of this house. They know the honor that we give to one another. Okay, for those of you who know how we serve each other, how we love each other, if you come to this church, just to be part of the worship and just to hear the word but you have no honor for the body of Christ you have no honor for the person sitting on your left or the right you have no honor for the leaders that are placed over you you have no honor for little children that are less spiritually experienced than you are if you have no honor for the body of Christ that you are eating and drinking from the Bible says that that is what it means to take part of it unworthily you know how we interpret unworthily? We interpret, oh my God, last Wednesday I said a lie. You know, I, I, should, I don't know if I should take the communion. You know, what we think is that it is on the external things, but it's, it's much, much deeper. It's about how you've not honored. Let me give you an example. Apostle John, okay, in the New Testament. You know Apostle John? One of the serious most serious apostles the most used by God, lived the longest. He's writing the book of Revelation. And one of the first churches that he's writing to is to the church at Ephesus. Who is the pastor of church of Ephesus? Paul is the one who planted Ephesus. Paul appointed his son in the Lord, Timothy, to be the next bishop of Ephesus, okay? Now, tell me about this. Can Apostle John go and correct the church at Ephesus? Technically, no. Why? Because he is out of order. He cannot correct the church at he's no he He's mature in the Lord. He's very, uh, he's the guy who has walked so close with Jesus. Come on now. The senior most. The man who lived the longest. Like, see, right now we can debate, but back then he was like the guy who walked with Jesus the longest, you no? Know? Like, I don't think anybody would have walked with Jesus longer than John because everybody else who did passed away or, you know. And here is John. He is about to send a message to the churches and most of the churches he did not plant. I think except Smyrna. Smyrna is the only church where his son in the Lord started. But all the other churches, he's about to write a letter to these churches. And the Bible says, Jesus came to him. Okay and Jesus had the seven stars of these seven churches, representing the seven leaders or the seven pastors of these seven churches. And John, he would fall down at the feet of Jesus, okay? And Jesus, the, the Bible is very clear, he says he had seven stars in his right hand, and with the right hand he placed the hand upon John, blessed him and said, fear not, get up and go and give this message. So in other words, these elders or these pastors who were less experienced than him, who were less anointed than him, who had less intimacy with God than him, had to give their blessing and permission to John before he can go to correct and help these churches. I'm not talking about any ordinary person here. I'm talking about Apostle John in this place. The guy who has walked with God, the guy who has seen heaven, the guy who has seen time, he's seen what is happening now back in that time, right? That guy, for him to be able to give a word of correction to the church. What is the word of correction? Come back to your first love. But to receive that correction, but to give that correction, he needed permission from the pastors of those churches. You may be the, the most anointed person in the whole world, but when you walk into this church you need my permission. You want to correct my children in my house? You need my permission. You may be elder, you may be, you know, you may have raised so many children, but if you want to correct my children, you need my permission. You need to go through me. That is how it works in the body of Christ. If you do not honor one another, if you do not honor the culture that there is in the church, then you will be doing more damage Then blessing to your church. But if you're in the church, you cannot dishonor one another. You have a problem with any of the sins, I will help you, I'll coach you, we'll mentor you, we'll do everything. But if you're hurting somebody else in the church, then that's a very serious problem. That is something that the Bible says. Let me tell you in Jesus' words. Can I tell you in Jesus' words? Not my words. Okay, If Jesus said, if you cause one of these little ones to sin or to stumble. What did Jesus say? It is better that a millstone would be tied around your head and you are thrown into the sea. Jesus, the most merciful character in the Bible, the most loving person, what did Jesus say? If you're hurting somebody else here. No. Jesus is saying if you hurt somebody else, the least, the small ones, the the little ones in the church. That's unforgivable. You, you have a problem with adultery, you come to me, I will help you. You have a problem with, uh, you know, different things, whatever is your problem, money or anything, I will have mercy, I will forgive you a 100 times. But if you cannot honor the body of Christ, if you cannot respect the order that God has put in the church, if you cannot, you know, if you don't know when you're overstepping your bounds, when, you're, when you don't know where you are correcting and doing things and hurting and using sword, where you're not supposed to use the sword, then it's a very dangerous place. So I'm, I'm actually trying to, you know, put the fear of God upon our hearts this morning. Because I am as scared of this word as you are. I'm not doing this to threaten you. I'm doing this because I received this as the word from the Lord. I would have come here, you know I'll tell you what verse I wanted to preach I wanted to preach Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 The son of righteousness Will rise with healing in his wings All of this is planned in my sermon notes For the last Sunday of this series But the Lord said no Teach about those that are hurting My people In my presence And they call it doing my work Because I told them to collect the sword Isn't it sad? It is something that we need to repent from. The Bible says if you eat this bread or drink this without honoring the body of Christ, you are not just eating and drinking bread or wine. You are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Am I still in the New Testament? Am I still speaking scriptures to you? Come on, church, okay? Be, be, just give me some more time. Let me drive this point across. The Bible says if you do this without honoring the church, honoring the place you're placed in, you're planted in, without honoring the body, which means in this season, you need to go out of your way to honor one another. Out of your way, out of your way. Just make sure that you get to know one another and find out ways in which you can invest and so honor into each other. Not just your pastors or leaders, no. Find ways to honor the other parts of the body. Because if dishonoring the body can bring judgment, then honoring the body can bring healing. If dishonoring the church can bring sicknesses, then honoring the body can bring healing and restoration into my life. The next line it says, that is why many of you, verse 30, It says, that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died and died before their appointed time. Died before they were supposed to die. Why did they die? Not because of a sin they committed, not because of pride or ego, but because they did not honor the church they are planted in. Because they did not honor the person they're sitting next to because they, they were so self-obsessed that they didn't care to bless others, to, to care for someone else's feelings and what they are going through before speaking out their mouth and before using their swords and before hurting one another. The Bible says that is why many of you are what? There are some of you are sick, some of you are weak, you, you, you may be weak and not necessarily be sick, but we don't want to tolerate any weakness in this church. We don't want to tolerate any sickness in this church. See, this bread and wine that comes to you week after week, it is meant to bring you healing and wholeness. It is not meant to hurt you. This preaching that comes to you week after week, when I say bread and wine, I'm, 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 I'm categorizing everything, okay? I'm not just talking about the physical bread and wine we take. You know, everything is involved in that. The presence of the Lord that is released. That presence of the Lord can either become a reason for you to be healed or can become your judgment. That presence of the Lord that, you know, when Ananias and Sapphira came to Peter to make sure this Peter will lay hands and bless this offering. That offering could either be the reason for them to multiply and have dominion Or that blessing can, or that laying on of hands can be the reason why they will die on that day. So, whether it's a judgment or whether it's a blessing will determine, will be determined on the posture of my heart. And the Lord is saying, Hey, many of you have grown weak, many of you have become sick, many of you have even died. The Lord is exposing that in this church and saying, This is a season where we become united like never before. Where we become, where we become, God-honoring people. You know, I'll tell you the difference between unity in the church and unity in the world. Do you know that it's easy for unity in the world? In fact, Jesus says that the the body of the, the 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 household of the devil—it's not divided against itself. They are very united. That's why they function. You know, Tower of Babel, for example. It says they. They were building a tower all the way to heaven. And what was the cause of their unity? It is that all of them spoke the same language. All of them, they thought in the same direction. All of them wanted to do the same thing. Let me tell you this, it's very easy to achieve unity if all of you become duplicates of who I am. It's very easy. If I I just tell you, hey, don't don't dress like that, don't think like that, don't talk that language, don't believe that, just believe what I am believing, just do what I am, it'll be easy for us to become one as a church. But that's not the oneness we are called to in the church. The oneness we are called to in the church is that Jesus will give different gifts to different people, different abilities to different people. We will all be uniquely different. Each of us will have different strengths, different weaknesses. And then, because we honor one another, because we love one another, we will embrace each other. Not because we are like each other. If you are if hanging out with people that you like, guess who you are imitating? Because wow. the Tower of Babel guys, they couldn't stay with the people that they like as soon as they became unlike them. As soon as they started speaking another language, as soon as they started behaving, you know, differently, they couldn't hang out. They, they had to split. But the body of Christ is characterized by this. You may be very different from how I am. You may not talk my language. You may not look like me. You may not you know, speak in tongues the way I speak, or you may not see visions the way I see visions. You may not have the same revelations I have. You may not have read the Bible like I do. You you may not have all the money or the education that I have. You may not have all the resources in your family like I have, but I honor you. But I see Christ in you, and I will honor that Christ in you. I see the presence of God in your life, and I will honor that presence of God. And I... And there are times when I, I will not, I will, it's not just about dislike. Now I'm really annoyed with what you do, but I will still tolerate you. I'll still love you. I'll still, you know, cover you. I'll still embrace you. I'll speak the truth in love. And when I do that, when I live a life like that, that is what will, you know, yield a church that is united, that is whole, that is healed and When they come to church, when we do church, it will not be a reason for people to be hurt, but it will be a reason for people to be made whole. So this morning, I'm not going to go into everything that I had prepared, but I want to ask us to ask for forgiveness. One of the things that we read last time, James chapter 5, let's go back to that scripture. Because the Lord is speaking in that direction, let's go back to that. James chapter 5, verse 16. You know, it's very necessary that we understand how important you know relationships is for us to receive healing from the Lord. Let's read it. One, two, three, go. Confess your sins to God. No, to, to God, to God, no. You don't know. To confess your sins to each other. And then pray for each other so that you may be healed. Not just pray for each other. We are experts in praying for each other. But today, we have to confess our failures. Have you hurt somebody? If that person is not here, but you know the person is part of the body of Christ, before, before you leave here, I want you to at least send a text message. If you can call the person, well and good. But otherwise, send a text message. Let them know. I am sorry for hurting you. I'm sorry for doing what I did or saying what I said in my anger. But I I want to confess my sin. I don't want to take this into the next Sunday. You know, I I want, because this next season is a season where we're going to see the Lord do mighty works. New people are going to come into the church. New unbelievers are going to come. We're just going to talk about the gospel for 12 continuous weeks. We don't want them to come into an atmosphere of confusion and chaos. We want us to harbor healing and wholeness in this church. Uh, uh, Have a culture of love and honor in this church. Have a culture of forgiveness and and embracing each other in this place. We We cannot be using swords at each other all the time. We cannot be hurting each other all the time. We cannot be speaking negative about each other, behind each other's backs all the time. We cannot be doing that. If you have a problem with somebody, you know, and you feel that, you know, I can't confront, I can't talk to this person, please come to us. We'll help you, we'll channel, we'll help you channelize how you can share and I'll I'll coach you to, you know, express in the best way possible in a way that is not hurtful to the other person. At the same time, you're being truthful to who you are. We can coach you with that, but don't go about trying to hurt anybody or demean anybody just because they are not like you just because you don't like what they like and they don't do what you do.
0: Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope this series has been a blessing to you. Stay tuned for an exciting series coming up ahead. Meanwhile, do visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information. You're welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11am at youtube.com slash Pastor God bless you and have a blessed week.